Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Bricky here, back again with another episode of Disneyland for Designers, episode 97. Why little things matter at Disneyland. Yeah, look who's here. Three weeks in a row. Don't call it a comeback, but it's kind of a comeback. Today, we're going to look at the details of Disneyland. I've been in this mantra lately of really sharing with everybody why I believe the vibes are the most important part of the park. Kind of has a lot to do with the fact that I've opened up a new shop. You can find me over at heybricky.com where the Vibes Override shirt is available this Monday, today, November 13th. This is the last chance to get this beautiful blouse before it goes back into the Bricky vault. But today, we're not just talking about the blouse, we're talking about the vibes, we're talking about the ideology of the shirt, we're talking about the mindset that designed Disneyland and why it is so different than any other theme park that you've ever been to, capturing the magic, because the magic is in those Disneyland details. What do you say? Let's get started. Episode 97 of Disneyland for Designers, Why Little Things Matter at Disneyland. Hey friends, today's episode is made possible by my sponsors. Thank you so much to Brandy Saran and Amanda Kirsch. Appreciate both of you picking up the Vibes Overrides blouse. Let's never forget that it was all started by a blouse. And then over on YouTube, I want to thank Federalist and Jesse Adventure for donating and making today's episode possible. What do you say, friends? Let's jump in and get started right now. If you'd like head to head over to com where you can get the Vibes Overrides t-shirt. Today's the very last day and it's going back into the Bricky Vault. Or you can always become a member of Club 1313. Join our private Discord where Disneyland friends are waiting for you just one click away. Speaking of one click away, let's get into today's episode, episode 97, Disneyland for Designers, why the little things matter at Disneyland and how I like to consume them. Look, it's Disneyland. Friends, the first thing that I noticed when I went into a Disney park was the landscaping, the architecture. I also realized that there was always a continuous bend in the road. Yeah, sure, I went to Disney World when I was a child. I went a couple of times as a young adult. But when I went to Disneyland for the first time, I found myself in my 30s, a designer for the last 20-something years of my life, and somebody that understood artist composition. I think the most amazing thing to me the first time I went there is I felt like I had walked in to an artist storyboard. I felt like I had walked into illustrations. Having a trained mind for composition, I could quickly learn why every tree was put where it was at. I understood why when you come into the tunnels that flank town square, it creates a moment where you have to walk back around. You have to recenter yourself. And when you do, the reward is Sleeping Beauty Castle at the end of an exquisite, perfectly designed Main Street USA, forever preserved and locked in a more innocent time, a more simpler time, a more, eh, not friendlier time. Those times weren't friendly for everybody, but it definitely takes you back to a moment that feels like those couple of old buildings in whatever city that you're from, there's normally a couple of those still left, maybe one block, but it's not that pristine. It's not that 
new and fresh. It kind of feels like a ghost of yesterday, like a memory. But when you go into Disneyland, this memory is still alive. The memory is still being written over and over again. You're making a new memory inside of this landscape again today. And the difference, the Disney difference, is when Walt created the park, it was all about family rides. Didn't think that he needed a thrill ride out of the gate. But we don't always get it right. Neither did he. And his first expansion would bring the Matterhorn to the park. The first ever thrill ride. Which brings in the Disneyland difference. And I did this before in a video where I talked about Disneyland rocks and why they're so important to the overall aesthetic. And in this video, I did a comp where you could see what would it look like if you, like I said, went through the tunnel to the right, you're in town square, you're submerged in turn of the century, a different century of America. You work your way over to the end of town square. You recenter yourself. Sleeping Beauty Castle at the end of that beautiful road. But over to the right, instead of seeing a mountain that adds to the fantasy, adds to the scale of the castle, you saw theme park, roller coaster, track. What would it look like if the whole time you were looking at Sleeping Beauty Castle, there was just railroad track right next to it? People flying around, having a great time, you would instantly go from fantasy to a theme park. But the Matterhorn was the first attempt at this idea of the grand reveal. And then decades later, Disney would take another swing of adding a mountain to the park. But they would build on this idea of the grand reveal. Whereas the Matterhorn has a couple of shortcomings. Its base is flat on the back, we stand at the bottom of the mountain. We see people at the bottom of the mountain and we go into the mountain. Pretty perfect for the time. But when we look at Big Thunder Mountain, a couple of the problems with Matterhorn were fixed. The fact that the pathway takes us down below the mountain where we walk through underground layers of different lines and switchbacks at the bottom of the mountain where we see the small town of Rainbow Ridge. And it is a small town, just a few buildings, but it's also small in its scale. But the idea of when Tony Baxter decided to carve down inside of Disneyland, that is a masterful technique where the people disappear. And when you're coming up from the banks of the rivers of America, maybe from Ripon New Orleans Square, or maybe coming down through Frontierland, when you look over at Big Thunder Mountain, you see trees at its base, not people. Sure, you see people going in where the, the line begins. And now because of the horribly designed Genie Plus Lightning Lane, you see people over on the backside. But the real bulk of its people, of its guests, of its soon-to-be passengers are down below where you can see, which only adds to the scale of Big Thunder Mountain, making it seem bigger because we know that the average human is somewhere in the ballpark of five to six feet. So our brain has been designed that when we see people, we go, okay, that's about five feet. And you can easily see that the mountain is probably only somewhere around 45, 50 feet, four or five stories, not that big. 
But when you don't see people and you see trees that are perfectly landscaped and our mind says, well, a tree, a tree could be 15 to 25 feet. A waterfall, a waterfall could be 30 or 40, 50 feet. Different mountains, I mean, mountains are hundreds of feet. How tall could the toppest point be? That is how our brain processes that when we come in there. Now imagine if you got to the end of the frontier land and you just looked over and you saw theme park, roller coaster track. And I feel like the grand reveal of the mountain idea was finally and fully perfected when we look at radiator racers. Because they do show a little bit of the track, but the track is disguised underneath the pavement where the cars are racing on a roadway. But you never actually see the track. You just see a street like the one that we're used to. But with the keyhole, when you come in from San Francisco, or the reward of getting to the end of Route 66, is not just one mountain, it's a mountain range, a Cadillac mountain range. It is a moment from a movie materialized right in front of your eyes, taking you into this abstract animated world and making it your reality. And what don't you ever see? The line, the queue, the people getting boarded on and off boarded. You just see the Cadillac range as your reality. And in that reality, all the different fundamental processes of how a roller coaster loads and unloads does not exist. You just see story. The Grand Reveal also works in other ways, such as Indiana Jones that was built in a very narrow parcel of land, wedged between pirates and the jungle crews. You kind of just see a temple if you're lucky. And then you dissipate into pathways that take you in between two attractions out to a parking lot where you have your adventure and then you hike it all the way back. This same design technique was used for Rise of the Resistance where you kind of just see the military outpost getting lost in the story. You work your way through cavernous caves, making it into the attraction, therefore giving them the ability and a tight footprint to build a very big ride without giving up too much real estate inside the theme park. Also creating the great reveal and leaning into this compromise into the story. And then there's the most classic of grand reveals, the false building, where you see pirates of the Caribbean as a building and you see the haunted mansion as a mansion, but somewhere in the Disney magic, you are dropping in on a boat or taking a stretching room down that exits you from the park where you go on the other side of the berm our visual barrier that keeps us inside the magic and you go into a warehouse in a parking lot and this warehouse houses theme park track one an omnimover the other a flume ride but it keeps that part out of your vision it keeps the story in your vision it is the grand reveal of going that is a haunted mansion over there on the banks of the river and when you're a little one you come up with the courage to go inside that mansion not knowing what's on the other side these attractions are hidden from us but they are alive because the story is all around us
And friends, this is 100% realizing that rides are important for a theme park. But what's more important is setting the vibe. Hey friends, to support all my Disneyland content creation endeavors, I've created a new shop called Hey Bricky. All of our items will only be available for a limited sales window. Our Vibes Over Rides t-shirt goes away tonight at midnight, returning to the Bricky Vault. Today's the perfect day to support the content and support your love for the vibes of Disneyland. It really is the difference. The rides are great, but the vibes are even better. And what's even better is you supporting the content so I can show up next Monday and do it all over again. Hey, Bricky.com, I appreciate you and I appreciate your support. When Walt Disney thought of the idea of Disneyland, you've heard the story. He was sitting on a bench, looking at his daughters, going around and around in a merry-go-round, thinking, man, kind of sucks sitting on this bench. As the parent, you bring your kids someplace, watch them have all the fun. What about me? Walt Disney, the first millennial. What about me? What about me at this theme park? What can I get out of this? And I love that mindset of, hey, everybody should be included in the theme park, not just the kids. And for these people like, oh, Disney adults, go back to the history of Disneyland. It was always designed for adults. It's always been full of adults. Sure, kids are part of the magic. Why wouldn't they be? And it is for kids, but it's not exclusively for kids. It's for everyone, the young and the young at heart. And that idea of Walt Disney thinking about the aesthetic of the park, knowing that when he sent Roy on a fool's mission to go get funding, that he had to have artwork created from the Lost Weekend. He had to have this beautiful rendering of how this would be a transformative space, a story that you could walk into. And if he would have went to the bankers and said, here it is, and it was just all kinds of track. They would have said, Walt, we don't really want to get into building a permanent carnival. But it wasn't a carnival. It was a theme park. Heavy on the theme. Also, coincidentally, heavy on the park. Landscaping, benches, quiet places, picnic areas. The old holly, uh, holiday land that was outside the berm where people could have picnics and come together. And I always think about the poor kids that went to this corporate picnic that were just outside of Disneyland doing dumb stuff like potato sack races, thinking, oh, I'm jumping around in a burlap bag like an idiot on the other side of that railroad. Kids are riding on the Mark Twain. But nonetheless, the original Vibe Chaser thought of a vibe-centric design where the entire time that you were in the park, you were inside of the story, but also creating it in a way to where nothing was overly obvious. You come up to the hub, you have a decision to make. There's all the different spokes on the wheel. Hmm, Adventureland, can't really see much. That's part of the adventure for people that wanna know the top Christmas video two months before Christmas. Hmm, Frontierland. I see the outpost of what looks to be some sort of a fort, but what's inside of the fort? 
hmm, Tomorrowland. I see a futuristic looking clock and some buildings and maybe a rocket off into the distance. And Fantasyland. I wonder what's on the other side of that castle. Each one of these are aesthetic decisions. They're not building a giant sign that goes roller coaster this way. It's an intelligent breakdown of the idea of that when people work their way up to Main Street and they get to the hub, they have to choose. They have to make a decision. They have to guess what they want to do next. This idea of hiding it from you. Hiding the reveal so that you would go and explore and reveal it yourself. It's more intelligent than what we see in today's world. Where a YouTube video fails if in the first 15 seconds you don't guarantee people they're going to get something maybe three and a half minutes later. We live in a world of entitlement where everybody wants everything today. What's the number one Christmas movie? I need to know now. Why would I look at your countdown if I don't agree with the number one? People giving their kids Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve, idiots. There is something in waiting. There is a beauty in longing. There is a reward in getting to the finish line instead of constantly having the finish line within a 15 second TikTok clip. The park was designed in a way that is way smarter than any of the media or any of the things that we see today. It was a wait and see approach. And when people waited and then they finally got to see, they were rewarded with the Disney difference. Now this design difference of hiding the grand reveal, this has become the legacy of the Disney aesthetic. And to this very single day, every new land that's built, nearly every attraction that's built, the grand reveal is still hidden. It is still a reward. You don't know what you're going to do when you go into Rise of the Resistance. You're walking through tunnels and caves. You have no idea that there are three ride vehicles ahead of you. And that you're going to go from where you're at to outer space and then to drop back in to the planet where you came from. On Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, you have no idea that you're not just watching a movie. I have seen so many people that get in there for the first time and they go, oh, it's just a movie? And boom, when the grand reveal happens, the smile on their face. Because they were so disappointed one moment and they were so rewarded the next moment. If that ride was a TikTok, it would never, ever go viral. Because people would be like, oh, movie, on to the next. They would not have the patience to watch the cartoon and to realize that the cartoon is a setup for a story. And now for the first time ever, due to thinking of animatronics not as robots, but shapes, geometric shapes around us, for the first time ever, there is actually the technology to take you into a cartoon world. But who would have time for that on TikTok? The wait and see approach, the grand Disney reveal, that has become both the aesthetic of the parks and the legacy of the parks. And it was all there, not on day one, 
But on day one of that illustration over the last weekend that Roy had to take around to the banks to try to get funding. And instantly people realized Walt Disney wasn't building a carnival. He was building a new experience. Friends, if you would like to join me over on YouTube, it's Hey Bricky, and I will be live all day today on the bench, bringing in all the vibes, taking you with me as I try to set the record for sitting on a bench longer than any guest before at Disneyland. Can I do it? Will Disney let me stay there all day? Who knows? These are the challenges that every athlete has to go after. You're not guaranteed a Super Bowl win just because you go to the Super Bowl. See what happens today. Join me for a minute or for an hour. Check in all throughout the day because I will be there from hopefully sometime around 7 a.m. going live and then going off air sometime, hopefully after 1 a.m. If it all goes my way, and that's not a guarantee. What is a guarantee, though, is a good time if you head over to Hey Bricky on YouTube and check in to see if I can truly set the benchmark. Get it? Sit the benchmark. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but uh, I have a little bit of a, I would say, aggressive personality. Things don't just bother me a little bit. Things bother me a lot. And there's just certain things that I just hear that just, they grind my gears. Sure, people talking over the narration at the Haunted Mansion, yeah, it, it, it does irritate me. But what irritates me more, and, and, it, and it shouldn't, this is a totally fine way to consume and enjoy the parks. So if this is you, this is just my own neurosis. You're fine. You're, you're perfect. You're doing what, what you want to do. You're doing you and keep doing it. But when I hear people that bring, oh man, it was awesome Saturday. We rode 17 rides. I'm like, yeah, but okay. What else did you do? It's like the, the ride is some sort of proud badge of achievement. Oh, I can't go there without riding Space Mountain at least three times. I don't know why they sound like pirates. And that's cool if you want to do that, but there's some sort of like bragging about it or or just some sort of like, just I, I can't quite put my thumb on why it irritates me so much, but it does. Because to me, yeah, that's great. You got in 17 rides. Sound like you crushed the park that day. But I would never define the day on how many rides I got on. For me, whenever I go to the park with people from out of town, and I realize living close to the park is a complete privilege because you get to go low and slow. Although, in my defense, I did just go to Walt Disney World for seven days where I didn't even do this on purpose. On the flight back to California, I was like, I was at Walt Disney World for seven days. I rode one ride the entire time, and it was the people mover, which, bro, is that a ride or is that transportation? I don't think that there's anything wrong with this sort of the ride is the overall value, but I just know for me personally, when I look back on a trip or when I have people in from out of town, I love looking back on all the fun little moments of the day. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm one of those people that don't go, oh, dude, Back to the Future, it's so great, I have to watch it 50 times a year. I mean, Back to the Future's fine, it's cool. What do you want me to do? It's not a religion. I know what happens. I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's such poetic 
justice that I have to see every little scene with Marty McFly, who, you know, kind of gets a little too cozy with his hot mom. I'm just not that person that watches movies over and over and over again. I'm also just not that person that has to crush every single ride. Don't get me wrong. I love the rides. I really enjoy doing them. But doing them less often makes it to where I really enjoy them when I decide to do them. And kind of doing them most of the time with people that are in from out of town becomes so much more about seeing them do Pirates of the Caribbean than me doing it over and over again. One of the things I love about my YouTube pursuit is that I get to see the rides from different angles and different mindsets as I'm looking through the camera and trying to frame things in a way that maybe I've never seen them or in a composition that, that I'm discovering for the first time. So when I hear people break down the park as if it's a Six Flags or as if it's a Universal, I start to wonder, do you really love the park? Or do you just love the adrenaline of the rides? Like that disgusting family that took their child and made his shoes taller because he loves rides. My son's just like me. He's got a chase for adrenaline. What a horrible family. Seriously, horrible family. The best thing that could ever happen to that child, and take it from me, I have no children, so I know how to parent them. The best thing that could have happened to that child is for him to actually wait until he's old enough to ride those rides. Because then he would have the memory of like, oh, I remember when I came to Disneyland this year, I couldn't do that. But now I'm a big boy. Now I'm grown up and I can ride Pirates of the Caribbean. I've achieved this. I've earned this. This whole mindset of my kids deserve everything and they deserve it all right now. It's breaking society. It's also breaking the way that the park was intended, I think, to be consumed. So I like to do this thing. I like to do this thing where I do something that is so stupid that it's kind of endearing, but there's actually an intelligence behind it. The year 2019, which somehow none of us knew was like the greatest year in our life. We didn't know it was the good times when we were in them. But back in 2019, a little land opened up called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And if you remember, this was going to be the greatest thing ever. People got there on first day, and it was the greatest thing ever. But then because of clicks and views, a week later, Disney really dropped the ball on this. I remember watching um, Clownfish ragging on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And it was all based on a second-hand description of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I mean, these people are doing a video trashing the land because their friend told them something. And as somebody who had been there several times already, I'm like, this information isn't even accurate. It's a false trash. It was that summer that I decided, what if I just rolled the Disneyland tram all day? Arguably the worst ride in the park. Is it even a ride or is it transportation? Riding the tram all day long would give me the ability to see so many people happy to go to the park. It would also give me the ability to hear so many people happy coming back from the park and to hear them share their war stories of the day. By never actually going into the park and just going on the journey back and forth, I would illustrate that you can have an amazing time at Disneyland by using your imagination 
and by using the vibes that are created all around you from the guests of Disney. And then last year on the birthday of Disneyland, I would ride the train all day long from 7 a or 8 a.m. when it pulled out on Main Street till after the sweet pass and they brought me back at 12.30 a.m. Rode the train all day long. Ended up being 33 Grand Circle Tours, which I believe, forgive my math off the top of my head, it was 134, 136 actual train stops. I rode the train on the anniversary of the park because the train is the best window into the magic. You sit on a bench, looking out into Walt's creation and you get to see the landscaping, the music, the vibes, all of the people coming and going, chasing the magic. I sit there and I consume it and I steal that magic. And it was fun to take other people on that adventure with me. And both with the tram and with the train, people could come on, do a lap, hang out, keep me company for a little while, and then see me on my pursuit. These things that I do, they're just dumb. And somewhere in the stupidity, it becomes charming. Because somebody being like, man, I'm doing it Friday, bro. I'm riding the Matterhorn all day. Me, Matterhorny, horniest guy to ever ride the Matterhorn. Doing it all day long. Ride ripping, I'm crushing. I mean, that's fine if you want to get Matterhorny and do that. That's totally up to you. But for me, I like doing these silly things that make people go, why? Why would you ride the tram all day? Why would you ride the train all day? And the fact that it's not anything that somebody would want to brag about, I think makes it something that's worthy of doing. Because both of these things gave me the ability to show folks that it really is about the imagination at Disneyland. And with imagination, you can experience the park in a way that is completely unique to anyone else. To my knowledge, nobody's ever done the tram thing. To my knowledge, probably only few have ever rode the train all day long. But I have. And those are two of the most memorable and special days that I've ever had at the park. Because those days were not only about observing all the little details and grand reveals, but also tapping into something that is far greater than the rides, far greater than the landscaping. I have tapped into the community of Disneyland. And when I went there for the first time, I was blown away by the art and the architecture. Absolutely. But I was also blown away that it wasn't just a theme park full of tourists all around the world. Sure, those people were there and I was one of them, but I could see that there actually was a community. That Walt's vision of building a little town called Disneyland actually indeed turned into a little town called Disneyland. So when I do these stunts, I do them out of stupidity. But I do them in such a dumb way that it's kind of refreshing. Like when you were a kid and you spent your summer and all of a sudden in the middle of the summer, you started hanging out with sort of a different kid in the neighborhood and you got really into something for a couple of days and you were gung-ho on whatever that was. And it just didn't matter because you were a kid burning off the summer days, choosing to live it however you wanted. So I find myself wanting to do another one of these. And I'm going to be doing it today, if you're listening to the podcast. 
today the episode comes out on Monday, November 13th. And you can find me over on YouTube at Hey Bricky, where I'm doing this again, where this time I'm setting the benchmark. Going back to, yes, it was all started by a mouse, but technically the parks were all started on a bench. I love the holidays. I love this time of year. And I want to spend an entire day sitting on a bench, thinking and contemplating just like Walt did about how beautiful it is to watch others get lost in the magic, to watch others have fun. But by doing it as a live stream all day long, it gives other people the opportunity to stop and think about different and unique ways to consume the park. It gives people the opportunity to think it's not about the rides. It's about the community. It's about observing. It's about taking it low and slow. And if they only do that as me being their avatar, so what? I've done my job by showing people there is no wrong way to Disney. So if you are Matterhorny and you want to rip the Matterhorn all day long, God bless you. But for me, I like to do things a little bit different, a little bit weird, and a little bit silly because I find in there, it's not about ego. It's about being charming. It's about giving people something that at the end of these videos and moments, they always become about the community. And so the reason why I think the little things matter at Disneyland, because if you stop and you take it low and slow, they are all around you. And the little things, the little moments, they're unpredictable. You cannot find them on the park map. They don't happen at 1215, 115, 245, and 4.30. They happen when you least expect it, and they are always the most amazing moments and best thoughts throughout the day. And on that long lost weekend, when they made that illustration of Disneyland, did they know that these moments would happen when they built a new world and a new experience and a new reality for theme parks? Or was it all just a lucky guess? Who knows? And who knows what's at the end of my educated guess of what will it be like to sit on a bench for a complete operational day at Disneyland? I don't know. But I'm taking an educated guess that I'll meet lots of people. It'll be a crazy adventure and it'll give me the ability to sit back and really soak in all the things I love during the time of year that I love so much. I hope that you will come and join me for a minute or for an hour where I'll be live all day long, taking you into this one as I try to set the benchmark. There you go, friends. Episode 97 of Disneyland for Designers. Why little things matter at Disneyland and how I like to slow down and see them matter and take the time to appreciate them. And you can appreciate them with me all day long over at Hey Bricky on YouTube. And by the way, if you're enjoying the podcast, a great way to support it would be to head over to HeyBricky.com where today is the very last day to get my Vibes Overrides t-shirt. And if you want to become a member of Club 1313, I record these on YouTube, make the videos private afterwards, and then re-upload them just for members of club1313.com so they can see how the podcast is recorded. A small little token of appreciation for those that make it possible for me to do the show, which you heard has no sponsors, no advertisers. I do this all on my own hard work, and I really appreciate all the people that support the content. Friends, until the next time I see you sitting on the bench inside of Disneyland, I'll see you back here real soon with another episode of Disneyland for Designers. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you all for your support.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disneyland has now ended its normal operating day. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Magic Kingdom and that the memories you've made will bring you back again soon. While the rest of the park closes, Main Street will remain open for an additional hour for your shopping convenience. Thank you.